Hey there, Shopamaniacs. You're listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show podcast all about websites. I'm Dave Rupert. With me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris. How are you? <laughs> oh, just it's a lovely morning. Just admiring the bezier curves of the internet. Some curves, Fade. some fades, some transitions. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We This is going to be a really wonderful show. Dave, we've both been using a, a, a different web browser uh, and it's been uh, it's been an enjoyable experience for me in kind of a surprising way, and uh, we we just so happen to have Nate here from the browser company of New York, which I kind of snarkily made fun of last <laughs> week. Sorry about that, buddy. But <clears throat> but the browser just just tremendous. I've really been enjoying using it. Thank you for coming on the show. How are you, Nate? I am great, uh, and hopefully I can convince you that we are not nearly as cool. As our pretentious name makes it sound. <laughs> Sounds like you make gold chains and and, and cologne. <laughs> but the it's, browser it's very, company uh, of New York implies the existence of browser companies of other places like Texas or, you know. It does. We have a browser company, browser company in Austin. We have, my favorite was, is a BCBC, browser company of British Columbia. Oh, folks BCBC. Out there. But the browser company of New York name predates the pandemic and we thought it was going to be all in person. And then, you know, it happened. And uh, sort of a silver lining of the pandemic was that we realized, hey, we could be a remote company. And so we have all these incredible team members all over the world. And we are no longer in New York. Oh, right on. <laughs> Delaware. You've moved I'm to in Delaware. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 50% chance we're a Delaware incorporated company. So I don't know what I can say. About yeah. GoatPen is 90% sure. Good taxes, something like that. I have no idea how that all goes down. They've got a a court of chancery, which I don't know what that means, but I just love it. I'm sure it's beneficial to all the (laughs) chancellors. Uh, Okay, wonderful. So so what the browser company of New York makes is a browser called ARC, A-R-C. It's not particularly difficult to get access to it, although I don't know that you can just go to a web page and download it, right? You kind of, there's a little, little bit of of gotta be invited kind of thing feel free to reach out to us i'm sure i have it's like you get five invites a day or something they're not particularly rare right yeah five invites a, a week i believe a week. i've got yeah. some uh we've all got some yeah uh but if you join the wait list it's usually uh i don't want to make any promises but i think it's about two or three weeks uh okay then you're off sure sure so, for me it was really quick if i recall because in the last episode I found out my browser had rounded corners on the URL bar, and I quit that browser uh, no, almost sure. instantly. <laughs> and I was able to get up and going on Arc in a day, I think. So, Dave's and yeah. Aesthetics Matters, Rupert. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, um, I, I think I just got a link in a um, Discord or something. You know, they're pretty, you know, let the, what do they call that? Network effects. It's working for you. Exactly. Working. It's Dave, the, what's it's the a, which corners do we have to make sure not to round? Uh, just, well, the URL bar, the Omni bar, you know, uh, if, you know, it, it's, it, we're good. So far, so good. So far, so good. So we'll we see. have, we have big plans for the URL bar. Oh, uh, exciting. Just kidding. Just kidding. I, um, my personal crusade at the browser company is to, to make the URL bar as small as possible, which mm. is, I wouldn't say it's a popular opinion within the company, but it it feels correct to me. Uh, the URL bar is you know, very big in a lot of browsers, very big in Chrome, 
obviously it's very big in Chrome because it's a Google search box and that's what they want you to do. Yeah, there was an article with, uh, what was it, Darren, I think, Darren. who works with you, who was maybe ex-Google or something, who had some spicy insights in a Verge article who was saying that y- there was a lot of like cool UX ideas at Chrome too. Surely they have lots of smart people there. And and I think that I think he said something like they died on the cutting room floor because if you if you build a feature that gets somebody back to an open tab, well then they didn't search, they didn't perform a search, and Google has this incentive to have people be performing searches right and left. We've almost been taught that you know I don't know just Google it you know, and maybe that's because browsers are, are helping us do that. So there's there is some certainly some some features of Arc that rethink that a little bit. I feel like we're jumping ahead though. Like so, th- there's this browser that exists. It it's not it's not like you built a new Chrome. It's still Chrome or Chromium. Is that yes. correct? Yeah, it is. That was relatively important to me because, um, you know, as much as I am happy to be critical of Google and Chrome on some things, I do like Chrome. I do think their dev tools are very good. I think if you were, if this thing was, I don't know, you if you were trying to rebuild a browser engine, that's a very different conversation we'd be having. That, that's like a more, that's not a thing. <laughs> so, th- so Arc is a UX UI wrapper, let's say, around Chromium. Is that fair? Yeah. So I would say our thesis is that you know Chrome has you know, Chrome came out 15, 14 years ago at this point, mm-hmm. and their whole thing was you know we think that we can make the desktop browser into the place where you can write desktop class apps, uh, and Google sort of understood that before anyone else, and they did a fantastic job at it. They made the web platform very performant. They gave it a ton of capabilities. They made mm-hmm. it very consistent and open and standards compliant and a bunch of great things. And so they wildly succeeded. It's like now even the native apps that you download on your computer are really just uh, wrappers around Chromium. Uh, but the problem there is we, we sort of think that what ended up happening was that they were so successful in that that they got to a new problem, which is that the UI of the browser started to buckle under the fact that like, you're doing all these things in it, right? And so it's, you know, in the past, maybe you you had a couple tabs and web browsing was one of several apps you're using. But now for a lot of us, it's like the web browser is the primary tool that you're using all day long and all mm-hmm. of your applications are within it. And so it's almost like an OS and it's not a very good OS, we think. And we think there's a lot of opportunity to give you some of the tools that an OS would give you, like you know, great multitasking, great organization, mm. the ability to sort of have your, your tabs uh, treated like real important data, which they are, uh, and which a lot of browsers don't really seem to think of them as. Okay, okay. So there's this OS of the web kind of thesis happening over there. Yeah, I mean, it's we have this sort of a, a thing that I like to say a lot uh, is we think of tabs as the new files. Uh, there was this great piece in The Verge uh, maybe about a year and a half ago at this point uh, talking about how folks, uh, college professors, were noticing that their students were coming into school and they didn't really understand like files and directories and folders and stuff like that. They were so used to using the browser and using search that this whole era of this whole this whole construct of like you know files on a desktop and manipulating them was was pretty unfamiliar to them. And I think mm-hmm. it just goes to show that tabs are 
the atomic unit of work now, not files. Uh, and But something as simple as you know renaming or putting something in a folder, you can't do that with the tab today. And so some of the, the features that are our favorites that we've built are just like, let's let you rename a tab just like you could rename a file. Let's let you have a folder full of tabs that doesn't go away when you close the browser. Like simple stuff like that that just treats mm-hmm. it like real data and elevates it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of work on tabs. Let's take a second to like mouth blog a little bit about what you see when you open Arc, because I'm sure there's a lot of you can you can go pretty deep in here. We're going to get to Boost. You're kind of the man behind Boost, and that that will be interesting. So so stay tuned for that, people. Uh, but there's probably some people who download Arc and they're like, oh, my tabs are on the left now, and that's their that's their their whole experience. Possibly, you know, it's not everybody cares about web browsers as deeply as we all do. I'm mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. And even that can be a refreshing experience, perhaps. Uh, so, but the sidebar is crucial to the Arc experience because, you know, in a way, it you know it moves what a lot of browsers they packed a lot of crap at the top. Arc is like, let's go, you know, let's turn it, <laughs> let's put it on the left, which in a way gives you more room. It's like more pixel area to use. But hey, screens are screens are landscape. You almost have more room horizontally. Uh, and and there's just been a proliferation, I find, in apps that do it too, that the main navigation for a lot of web apps is, let's give you a left sidebar. Uh, I think it's just interesting to look at, you know, you think of, I don't know, Spotify and the famous app CodePen, maybe you've heard of it, <laughs> looking Feedbin and all of these things. It's like, it's it's common to see that left thing. And I, I think almost like websites look cool in art because it almost looks like, that the website itself is just a one menu deeper than all your entire internet experience. I just think it's a cool look. But anyway, so in the left is all your your tabs essentially, but it's not just tabs. You know, you get you get the URL bar at the top and your personal crusade apparently to keep the URL bar as small as possible. Weirdly, not controversial. I remember when Safari put out there that they're going to stop showing by default the complete URL, and nerds were displeased at this. Arc is doing just that. You can see the whole URL. You just click into it and you see the whole URL. So it's not like it's completely disguised from you, but that was true in Safari too. The trick is that you don't really quite see the full URL at all times. You can't in Arc. It's just too narrow over there. There's no place for it. Uh, If you're a developer and that really makes you mad, it looks like just this week you released a developer mode which you click on and then you kind of get that full URL bar back. And that's understandable for a a developer who's concerned about where they are in their own application and stuff. Nice feature. We can dig into that a little bit. But just to continue on the, the UI a little bit, you can collapse that sidebar too. So if you have quite a small screen, I guess that's that's okay. And it's a nice, you know, just command S. <laughs> that's a nice one. Uh, and then you have like kind of these three categories of tabs. I think there's, you know, there's pinned tabs, which browsers have, yeah, that's gotten popular in the last year or two, I'd say, which is these tabs are just here all the time. Uh, and then the idea of these temporary tabs arc, I think a famous feature of arc, as far as I know, is people just love the idea that it will close your tabs for you should they go stale after a certain amount of time. I got to admit, it doesn't appeal to me. I'm a little OCD about my tab control. So, but a lot of people are like, freaking love that. And then there's almost like super pinned tabs at the top that are there all the all the time, meaning that they're there even when you swipe spaces. So there's this concept in Arc where you you move between a, a, a set of tabs. So it could be like, I don't know, home and work or work, social and 
YouTube or I don't know. You, you get to decide. Do whatever you'd like with your spaces. They can even look visually a bit different, change some some colors and such. Um, and then there's more too, but that's what we're, that's what we're working with here. You know, you got to kind of adjust your brain to be like, this is my browser. Now, a lot of the action and interacting with my browser happens over there on the left. Is that about right? Yeah. So that you, you pretty much got it. Um, we, we put everything on the left in a sidebar. We are pretty, pretty adamant about not putting anything above and below the web page. Uh, and the sidebar gives you more room for your tabs, which is nice. Um, but we, we also think it's really important just give you tools to organize because, you know, when when I first joined, uh, it's a, it's a funny story actually. So I didn't know any of the people who were starting the browser company. I joined as the the first designer. And when I first met Josh, the CEO, uh, I was, I was talking to him and I was like, Hey Josh, you know, I heard you guys are working on a browser. That's very exciting. I've been making a browser and Josh turns to me and he's like, Oh, what does your browser do? And I said, Oh, it has a sidebar. And he's like, what side is your sidebar on? And I was like, well, it's on the left, duh. And he's like, well, ours is on the right because we've thought about this a lot and we've realized that web apps put their their, uh, sidebar on the left. And so if you want to balance it out, you put your sidebar on the right. And I was like, huh, seems like these folks have thought about it a lot. Maybe I should consider consider Mm -hmm. working here and I could think about this all day long. Turns out they were wrong. I was right. Uh, we, We tried a prototype with the sidebar on the right. And the problem is you just like, you spend so much time dragging your mouse over the vast expanse of emptiness between the left navigation and all the the buttons on the left and the sidebar on the right. And it totally doesn't work. Isn't there but, one of those uh, fancy UI laws? Was it Fitz? Or Fitz I can't law, remember. I Fitz, believe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe not. But it's something about like, you don't really think that it's like you spend a lot of time with your mouse traveling places, but you really do if we screw it up and we force you to do it a little too much. Right. Okay, left side it is. I also agree. That is the correct side for this. Also a strong opinion. There's a lot, there's lots of things you can change in Arc, uh, but not that, right? And I think that's important for, for software to have some opinions about things. I like it. I, I even liken it, some of the aspects of Arc, a little bit to Notion. Uh, it's a, just an app I happen to use a whole bunch in that. There's certain aesthetic things you can do in Notion. You can set icons for all your documents. You can set a, a header. You can make um, the text in there's, but you can't just change it to any font like you could in a Google Doc, right? Because then everybody's going to put it in Papyrus or whatever. And nobody will be able to read it. You just can't do that in Notion. There's pretty serious guardrails about what you can do aesthetically in there. And Arc has some of that going on too. Like you can't pick a bad color for the sidebar. It like reigns that in. And I like those kind of aesthetic guardrails to things that are pretty interesting. Yeah, those are, that was a fun project. Uh, and we spent a lot of time going back and forth on like, what is the appropriate level of customization? And there's sort of a sweet spot in the middle there because you want people to feel like it's not daunting. It's not hard to create something that looks good, but you also don't want to feel like you're, you're reined in and you're like on a Disneyland ride and you can't get off the track. Yeah. Uh, yeah and so yeah. it took a, a lot of figuring out like what the right set of constraints there was. And I think we landed in a decent place, but uh, I'm sure it'll evolve quite a bit. There, there are some heavy oddities to me. Like it looks like you have a color picker, but the, you can't see what <laughs> color you're picking. You just drag yes. it around on this morphous space and hope to find something you like. It's pretty weird. It is weird. Uh, the, the idea behind that is that is that you shouldn't preview the color in the color picker. You should preview what the color looks like on your browser. You have to try it on. I see. I see. Uh, and so you should just sort of hunt around until you find something that looks good. Is that the right decision? I'm not sure, but that's the thinking behind it. It's kind of like a teenage 
engineering synthesizer for color picking. Oh it's my good. god! It's, yeah. it's <laughs> that cool. I believe that's was the insp- I was uh, not the designer on this. Was a designer on our team named Dustin, and I believe that was the inspiration. It was either that or something in GarageBand, but it was definitely a music. Yeah. App. Mm. No, it feels feels like a music app. Um, it's cool. Uh-huh. There's just some moments where like, do you want black? Too bad. Too bad. Now now you can have it. As of very recently, there is a black uh, preset, and you can have it as dark as you want, as light as Uh, you want. I'm so basic. I just went like grayish, but whatever. Yeah, Um, I know, because at first I'm like, boo, purple, and then I'm like, I'm sick of purple, and then it's, no, it's orange, no, it's light green, and I'm like, okay, I need to stop playing with this, you know? (laughs) Good problem to have. Yeah. Big, big problems. All right, that's cool. Let's, you know, just for the sake of, we, we have we have plenty of time, but we have the boosts guy on, so maybe we'll talk about that. In that sidebar, way down at the bottom, there's a couple of things. There's there's a, a library thing. I don't know if we'll get to that, but there's a plus button that, that puts a bunch of functionality within it. That's where you can make a new space if you want to make a new folder for your bookmarks or whatever. There's one in there with a little boom burst on it that says new boosts. I don't know how you'd know what it is unless you just click it and try it. It brings up a little thing and it says, oh, boost your favorite websites with ARC. Uh, uh, Because this is a show that's exclusively for web designers and developers, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's pretty much just user CSS and user JavaScript. That's what you're able to do with a boost. Yes. Yeah. Cool. And you built it. So that fascinating to me. I will tee it up by saying I found it fascinating. I've been thinking about user CSS more specifically than user JavaScript more lately because there's been in the world of CSS, there's a new feature called Cascade Layers. And uh, it's just a it's weirdly in all browsers. It's something people could start taking advantage of. Really mind-bending stuff about what CSS is going to apply at what kind of level specificity be damned, essentially. Really (laughs) strange. We don't probably have time to talk about that, but you'll see if you read about it, lots of like triangles and inverted triangles of like what CSS is already in a layer that you might already think about. There's user agent styles, and then there's just the CSS that users write and apply to it. Those are two different layers. Another layer is user CSS. And every time I saw one of those triangles, I'm like, sure, yeah, user CSS, a thing that literally no browser supports anymore. So like, why are we even talking about it? There's no way in Chrome, Firefox, or Safari to put user CSS anymore. There's little stuff like I'd prefer my font size to be 110% of what it was before, important accessibility feature, of course. But there isn't like a place to just write some CSS and have it apply to that. Those days are just gone. And part of me is like, maybe it was an underused feature. Certainly injecting JavaScript is possibly dangerous for the internet. And I'm going to take the possibly off there. That's dangerous for the internet. <clears throat> But okay, so I don't know, if you really love that idea, let's say you just hate that CodePen has a dark background, you can find some way to inject CSS via a browser extension or something to to change that background color to something that you like. I love that about the web. Dave, you recently wrote about kind of the hackability of the open web and how important that is. But there's the tooling for it isn't that great. I'd say y'all did a really terrific job with it in Arc partially because two big reasons one of them there's a freaking syntax highlighted beautiful code editor baked into the browser so what <laughs> and the way that it does it i believe is by making a 
a browser extension in which to do the injection of the scripts, which is also very clever. So maybe you could tell me what I got right and wrong and talk about that some more. Yeah, you got it all right. Um, so user CSS is back, I, I like to think. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, I was actually, first of all, the, the one thing you got wrong is that I, I built very little of it myself. Um, I, I had the privilege of designing it and, and working with a, another uh, contractor who was also doing the design named Julius. Uh, Julius Tarn, and he's he's the uh, sort of the driving force behind it. And he came to us with this idea, and he was like, "I want to make it really, really easy to make Chrome extensions." And I remember being very, very skeptical of this because I sort of, I think of myself as like, I don't know, I like making dumb stuff on the computer. I feel like I'm the target demographic for making a Chrome extension. I've sure. done it like once in my life, and I don't really have that many ideas for it. And so I was like. Who's, who's going to do this? Uh, and you know, furthermore, it's like it's only going to work if you know how to code. And not all of our users know how to code. Not all of our users understand uh, the DOM and CSS and JavaScript. Uh, and so I was like, of all the things we can work on, I'm not really sure this is it. And we basically were just like, let's take a leap of faith and try it. That's something we, we try to do a lot at the browser company where we don't really think you could just think really hard and design a good browser. We believe in experimenting and prototyping and just feeling oh, stuff. Look, and listen to that, Dave. It. <laughs> Turns out prototyping. I have more prototyping. questions. Uh, <laughs> Dave loves prototyping. Yeah, go on. I love prototyping. Um, would love to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, so I was, I was very skeptical. I was, you know, I was like, okay, fine, let's try it. Uh, we built it out. Um, we, we found an off the shelf code editor, uh, in, in JavaScript. Uh, the secret is the boost editor is written in JavaScript. Oh, which one is it's, it? Is it oh, Gomer? I wish I could tell you. Uh, okay. Monaco. No, all right. I can find out. I think it's Monaco. I think that's mm. it. Uh, pretty much just stock. Um, and we, we just sort of you know, built in the hooks where it could, you know, create a Chrome extension and write it to disk as you type, reload the page as you type. And we included a couple templates. Julius was very passionate about the idea of, of educating people about CSS and JavaScript in it. And so there's some docs built in and there's uh, some informative examples where you can sort of fill in the, uh, the templates. Yeah, yeah, it's clever. I don't blame you for the approach because one way you could have designed it is just to say, append CSS to page, append JS to page. And it, it's, that's not, it's not how it guides you anyway, even though that's kind of what it's doing. There's like yeah. a, there's a template for replacing content on the web, which of you know brings up the kind of what was it cloud as butt plugin and all that stuff is like <clears throat> because and, but it's not. So Julius is the creator of cloud to the cloud to butt plugin, and this oh, is wow, he was <laughs> this was oh, the inspiration wow. Wow. for that template. Uh, I believe uh, initially initially the uh, the default template for JavaScript code was uh, Web three to butt. Okay. <laughs> and I think someone on the team was like, maybe we pick something that's a little less uh, in the discourse. And, no, I uh, really <laughs> wish you picked Web3. That would have been way better. It was, it um. was shipped for a while. <laughs> and I did have it installed for a very long time. The other one I, I used uh, was we, for a while on our team, we were doing a little... Uh, like Thursday was bug day and you're supposed to, on, on Thursday, you're supposed to fix bugs. And so I was like, how do I remember this? And so I wrote a little Chrome extent, a little boost that replaced uh, Thursday with bug day, uh, which was all great. Still in there. Uh, it, I, I started, I realized I should probably turn off when I was uh, reading the times. Demoing. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was reading uh, the queen yeah. died early bug day morning. 
And uh, I was like, this is probably <laughs> yeah, that's a <laughs> this little is the danger of injecting JavaScript into the web. That brings up an interesting feature, though, that every time you make a boost, you have two choices. It's either applied to one particular URL or at least top level URL and, or all websites. Uh, yeah, and uh, we see the most people boost a particular site. You know, they'll have a great so, yeah. boost Twitter. They'll want to yeah. hide the trending sidebar. They'll want to hide the verified right. badges, uh, and so they'll do that. Or they'll want to. Yeah, uh, one of my favorites is uh, we did one that was just take a GitHub and made it look like Windows ninety eight, and that was a lot of fun. Not particularly useful, but just like mm-hmm. feels like a, kind of like this is the modern day version of Tumblr. Yeah, hack it, yo! That's awesome. Aspire to. Very yeah, fun. Very fun. Yeah, it would, it would be relatively easy for people to share these, I, I suspect. And you know, yeah. Well, we're, uh, we're going to get into that. We have to figure out how to make boost sharing something that doesn't become a vector for abuse. Secure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's harder. the first thing that pops into my mind is that, like, because this ex- exists, a bad person out there could be like, "Here's a, he, I, you know, they might warn you about this, but take this piece of JavaScript and put mm-hmm. it in a boost, and we're going to send you." 50 Five penguin, iPads. penguin bucks yeah. or what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, my, the argument against it to me is that this browser so far is it's power user forward and that you probably have a bunch of smart people <laughs> using your browser, which is kind of a cool place to be. That might not be your ultimate target forever, but I, I don't know. I'm sure you'd love as many people to use this browser as possible. And the more they do, the more dangerous this gets. So good luck, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, hopefully, I, I think the, the one thing that, that Julius was very passionate about and is very passionate about is this idea of using it to expose how the internet works to people. Like, I remember when we were thinking about doing the project originally, I was like, why don't we do a no-code thing where you can you, know, you have a menu and you can tweak the mm. font and tweak the color of elements and you know, pick things out. And we could have done that. But he made this very compelling argument that you know, there occasionally a product comes along that really shows, introduces normal people to what the web is made of. For a lot of people, that was Tumblr themes. For a lot of people, that was like a MySpace themes or Neopets right. homepages. I'm probably getting these wrong, but there's a lot of people you talk to, and they're like, "Yeah, I learned JavaScript and CSS because I wanted to make a Neopets homepage." Yeah, right. And so he was like, you know, "These are very powerful. And these are important, and it's important to sort of give normal people a window into this world." Uh, and you do people a good service by doing it. And so we don't really think of it as a bad thing that you're exposing people to CSS and JavaScript. We just have to make sure that we do the work of educating people about how to use it safely and what the implications are of running code that you don't trust. You know, that's it's funny. My son is almost not quite to that point, but I think he would love that. Just like I've taught him a little bit of code and just the idea like, hey, you can mess up any website you want like and put butts on any page you want. <laughs> Yeah, that's melts a ten year old's brain. You know, that's just <laughs> yeah. That's, in the um, satisfying way, that's not just a one off. It's not. It's just pers- persists. Yeah, we're so used to not being able to to like have any effect on the software we use, unless you're making an app totally from scratch. And I think that people people get really excited when they see that. No, I can actually yeah. put Twitter in Comic Sans if I want to. I can mm-hmm. make YouTube blurry and brightly saturated and play uh, Rick roll every video. Particularly difficult on mobile. Yes. Which brings me up to this, uh, you know, uh, uh, next interesting point. I mean, the, not just the mobile question, although that's fascinating as well, but the idea of sync. So to use Arc at all, you have an Arc account 
Um, no big surprise there, you know. <laughs> Not true of all browsers, but you're a startup and startups need email addresses and whatever. Uh, but you get something for it. It's not just like a, we want to do marketing at you. The point of having the account is that you have to be logged into it on all our instances you have. A lot of people just have one computer, so irrelevant to them. I happen to have three, essentially. You know, I'm here in the booth right now on my booth computer using Arc. I have a laptop that I travel around with, and I have a, I this year I decided to go with a desktop machine at work, which was a weird, bold choice. But that's three right there. I know I'm not normal in that regard, but I appreciate the fact that I want to use Arc. It syncs all my tabs all the time. I go from one computer to another computer, and my Arc setup is identical to the one over there. Uh, that's pretty cool to me. Uh, I think there's some other things it syncs too, right? or maybe it is just tabs and spaces. I don't know. I know that it doesn't sync your boosts, <clears throat> unfortunately. It yeah. does not. Uh, it syncs tabs and spaces. Uh, in the works is syncing your history. So you can, if you viewed a website on one computer, you can then search it and it will come up in the command bar. Yeah, when you search I would it on another love computer. That. I've uh, I've used the little help bar to submit many of these support requests, so I'm using the right channels. I hope. Yeah, please uh, to implement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please implement. Please implement syncing everything for us, please. <laughs> I mean, and we will. We will. But baby steps. Yeah, you can see it evolve fairly quickly. It's you know, in a sense, it's kind of fun to use because it's cool to be on the ground floor of software that's evolving quickly. I mean, that's always kind of fun because eventually it gets old. <laughs> it, it makes gets starting harder to change features and stuff, and uh, and that will slow down. But it's, it doesn't feel particularly slow just yet. Uh, every I think you know, don't you have a bug day? But you must have a release day too because it looks like when you get the release notes for Arc, it says every Thursday we <laughs> some stuff. Yes, we release we release every bug day. Every bug day. Oh, okay. Yeah, wonderful. It uh, the release notes are just tremendous. Somebody decided to uh, somebody decided to kick those up to eleven at at Arc. They are you know they show you the new features. They're just incredibly well designed. You know, it's not bullet points in a in an update or whatever. It's yeah. You know, there's images with it. It explains it in in real English, and then the, you accompany it with like some tips and tricks and stuff. And you give credit to the team. Each one of the tips and features and stuff gives credits to who built it. Really, kind of a classy approach to the release notes. So good job on that. Good to hear. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Sanity, the Sanity Composable Content Cloud. Yeah, the SCCC powers awesome digital experiences for companies like Puma, Sonos, Skims, Figma, and more. Sanity makes your content composable, reusable, programmable, so that your team can deliver outstanding experience to your audience faster and easier than ever. So our content authoring product, Sanity Studio, just got a major upgrade. Sanity Studio is open source, single page app, super fast to set up, easy to configure as your needs grow. If you've ever felt bogged down by the limitations of a CMS, Sanity Studio now frees you to customize content authoring experience for any type of experience. Couple things that are particularly awesome. This new studio customization framework that enables you to tailor the studio to your specific needs without adding any maintenance overhead. Less code. 
It also has full TypeScript coverage, so you can customize your studio with confidence, support from your favorite code editor. The new studio enables embeddable authoring, so you can now embed Sanity Studio as a dependency in another application. You and your team will be able to navigate to the Sanity Studio using the familiar pattern, like your website slash admin, you know, and then you're just, you're on, it's like any other CMS in that way, which means less context switching. And the studio also allows you to set up workspaces to deeply customizable environments to organize your content by team, product area, region, readiness, or whatever works best for your team. You can get started to try out Sanity with a free boosted plan with increased API and bandwidth limits. Just head to Sanity. S-A-N-I-T-Y, sanity.io slash shop talk to get started. Thanks. What I'm finding about ARC is, and maybe this is, uh, I, I think I want to ask, is this intentional or not? But I find myself like only using one window where that's, rare. Like I, I'm Mr. Five Windows, 27 tabs on each one. And but Arc has kind of funneled me in my attention, I guess, like into I just kind of use the one window. And maybe it's through the picture in picture feature, which is really great. Like, you know, it automatically checks my YouTubes up into like a or any HTML5 video up into a picture in picture. Um and, or maybe it's the super pin tabs or whatever, but like, or, or the spaces. I just feel like I'm, Arc is pushing me to a place where I'm only trying to do one thing at a time. Is that kind of yeah. intentional ditto, design ditto. or is that like, hey, that worked out fine or or do you not care about that at all? Yeah, I would say it's certainly intentional that that most of the way we expect people to use Arc is with a single window. We do support multiple windows and we have some folks on the team who use them. But really what we hear from people is like mostly they just want to stay in their browser and they want to be able to get everything done in the browser. And so a lot of the features we have like split view or the picture in picture view you mentioned or our little mini audio player that lets you control Spotify if you're listening to Spotify in another tab. All of that is designed from the assumption that you're probably using Arc in a single window. And then it is sort of like your OS. Uh, and I know all of us have you know, a couple apps we use that are not in the browser. But the primary assumption is that like, this, is, this is generally the system that you're going to be using. We, we even have our own version of Command Tab, which is a control tab, which lets you quickly shuffle between your most recent tabs. Um, Control tab, yeah. really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a very undiscoverable feature, <laughs> huh? but it's it's indispensable <laughs> oh, wow. for me. Oh I my goodness! Wow. Okay, well, that's a good one to know. That changed my life. Yeah, <laughs> changing lives here on the Shop Talk Show. Let me dig into this for a minute. So, <laughs> there's com- Dave and I apparently have some muscle memory for Command N. I, I like 900 things about Arc, so, you know, but i am got to do the criticism thing on the new window thing. It really is not a great multiple window app because now all of a sudden you have two copies of your whole primary <laughs> workspace and you can change state in one of them and kind of lose track and get back to the other one that has not, you know, you're halfway writing a blog post. The other tab has no idea that you've done that. It's like, ugh, not my favorite. I've, I've hung up on a few uh, Google Meet calls. 
Yeah. <laughs> do that. But, but I understand that you have to have new window. Like you, there needs to be yeah. some way to have multiple windows. It almost feels to me like either you should be opinionated and say command N opens a new little arc window because uh-huh. that's the real answer because the little arc is a, just a tremendous feature. It's like you click a link in Slack or a Discord or something or literally any other app. And it starts by default in Little Arc. You can turn that off. I'm sure some people mm-hmm. hate it, but I've like forced myself to like it. It gives you this like, it doesn't have to be smaller, but I think the point is maybe intentionally try to keep it a little smaller because the yeah. chances are I just want to look at something on that page real quick and then and then close it. And you can promote it to a real tab in your browser, but like embracing that Little Arc concept is nice. And I have a feeling that when, when somebody goes to go Command N, what they want is a, like a temporary browsing experience, just to do something quick and then and then get it away. And it's unfortunate that you, you don't have muscle memory for it because to get a new arc, little arc window, it's command option N. Yes. I have remapped command N to, uh, to little open arc? little arc. Oh, and I use, it, I use it nice. a lot. Um, I think that's the right way to do it. I mean, the problem is that people people do have very particular setups with new windows where they do want like a real new arc window. Yeah. Uh, and you get in a lot of the complexity there that you, you're mentioning about like, oh, you know, it's the same window, but it's with the same tabs, but they're different web contents. And it's like, we've tried it like every possible way. We've tried it, you know, where when you hit command N, you get a new arc window, but it's blank and it doesn't share your spaces. We've tried it where the pin tabs are shared and the unpinned tabs are not shared. We've tried a lot of things. Uh, unfortunately, one of the, it's one of those where it's like kind of hard to please everyone. Uh, but maybe you're right. Maybe the solution is like be very opinionated and say, no, you know, we're going to make opening a new window very hard, and we're going to push you to use Command N. Tricky though. I, I don't. I couldn't possibly guess what what is right for people. But I'll tell you, I literally just did it because you, you can do that. That remapping doesn't involve third party software. There's a shortcut tab right in the preferences, and you can just remap it yourself. And I just did it, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that feels. That should sync too. By the way, put that on the list. I don't it should to. sync. You are yeah. right. One thing I would love for us to do is. Uh, so little arc, the, the little arc command option N hotkey works in any app. And so you can be in Xcode or Blender or something, and you can be like, I want to Google how to do this thing. And I can hit this hotkey and I can search and it will open up. Even if your app is in full screen, it will open up a little web browser above that full screen app and you can just quickly reference something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would be fun if we really leaned into that and like sort of treated arc search box as the search box for the entire OS even when you're outside of it. Was there some, I feel like really early days, if there was any previews at all about what the little browser company of New York was doing, wasn't there, wasn't it that? Like, oh, you should be able to pull up a little research browser anywhere you want. Yeah, we had a, we had a period of time where I was sharing on Twitter, I was sharing our failed experiments because mm. we didn't quite want to show people what we were doing that was working, but we were like, we got to show people we're doing something. Yeah. Uh, and so one of those prototypes was called the launcher. And the idea was it sort of replaced Alfred or Spotlight or any of those launcher apps, but it would launch web apps just like it would launch native apps. So in the same way that you could hit, you know, com- mm. uh, command space and type Slack today, you could also hit command space and type Amazon and it would just make an app for amazon.com. It would copy the bundle and it would make a new app It put it in the applications folder and it would call it Amazon and it would put the icon and it would be the, uh, oh, no. the favicon of the site. I see that was maybe misguided-ish. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really great. <laughs> I mean, but isn't that just Discord in Slack? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like you have all these Electron apps and now you have one for your DMV as well. Yeah. Uh, and for every <laughs> long-tail website you were in. So, I mean, it was, it was interesting. 
the, the idea there was like, why should there be any difference between the applications that you access by going to a URL and the applications you access by installing them on your computer? They should feel the same. And uh, didn't pan out. No, interesting though. I did. I had a moment, you know, or, or you know, maybe I'll last week or something. My history with Arc isn't so super long, but I'm a good month plus into it, I think. Where I was like, this because of the spaces and all that, and the fact that most apps I use are web apps, you know, first ish. You know, like they're Electron, so thus, you know, they work on the web too. Maybe I'll just go super in on Arc, and I'll, my Slack will be an Arc, my Discord will be an Arc, my Notion will be an Arc. Like, you know, I'll lean into Google Calendar more than my desktop app or whatever. And it's, I, I don't think I've quite gotten there. I had I probably had ten of them that I was like, I'm gonna smash them all into Arc right now. And it was a little too disruptive for my workflow. And then I ended up kind of going back. Like Slack is sucks on the web. You got to have Slack, not in a web. You don't even get the sidebar of your different Slacks in in Slack on the web. Like that's unacceptable. And that's not your fault. It's Slack's fault. You know, like that's totally untenable experience. Sure, I believe you could pin them separately if you have all your Slacks. You could you could have them as different pins. I don't know if that's what you want to do, but under understandable. It's a big transition. I've I've been able to go the whole way and use everything in Arc, and it's been really nice. My favorite thing about it is. You know, I do a lot of design projects, and so we'll have like a Figma file, and we'll have a Notion document, and maybe we'll have some tickets on Linear or something like that, some research. And what's cool is that I can just take all of those and put them all together. And so it's like now I have this space, and it's just stuff for my project. Mm-hmm. And I'm not distracted by any of the other stuff and any of the other apps because I just pin exactly what I want from each app. And I pull it out into its own thing. Nice. Feels you should check nice. out Luro, Luro app. Write that down. Luro does a. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Luro so. looks really good in Arc. I, I was uh, actually. Pretty, uh, <laughs> it doesn't. I was like, whoa. Um, that that's uh, yeah. I, I found myself too. Like, and again, this is like. I love that it's like a browser with a thesis or or, or an ethos. You know, it's not just. Chrome on top of a iframe or <laughs> what we're used to. Um, it it feels like it, it made me want to start moving using stuff like Discord and everything, and and um, you know, kind of hit two right at the same time as the big uh, switch to Mastodon. <laughs> that's the undercurrent that's happening, and uh, Mastodon's great. I have it as a super tab, and I hit Command two, and it just shows up for me now. You know, and so it's like. Like RSS. Tab. Is that the official word? I don't know what they are. What are they it, it is now. It is now. <laughs> I like that a lot better. They're called favorites, but a super okay. tab is so fun. Ooh, super tab. No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fire that person. That's a super tab. <laughs> <laughs> super tab it is. Yeah. The, the super tabs uh, just, I don't know. It, it's, the, there's an interesting thing about it too. I don't know if y'all do anything, but they are very fast too. It's like, I guess it's just, Living, there is something about that, isn't it? T- when you when you close a super tab, we just load it again. <laughs> okay. And we, we do some we do some fancy stuff to like quarantine it so it can't start playing audio or consume a ton of resources. But essentially we're like we just we just sort of assume that like if you've pinned it as one of your top eight, we you just permanently want it loaded. And it's a little bit of a challenge because it's like some web apps don't reload themselves automatically. And so we have a little bit of like site-specific behavior for the very popular ones where we, we try to refresh them occasionally if they don't refresh themselves. Um, but I mean, the difference it makes is... Fancy. Good. I like to hear that, you know, that there's like some... Not that I expected any different, but there's some real technology in here doing stuff for me. Thought and care kind of going into it. Speaking of stuff for us, developer mode, that's new. 
uh, I can mouth blog it, but you, <laughs> one day, uh, my local host URLs had this little under construction border uh, around it. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> I, mm. I've broken uh, the application. Does it you- automatically put local host URLs in developer mode? That's clever. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the reason we did it is we were, we're sort of, we sort of always have this big tension, which is like, how do we make it feel like we're not just cramming this browser full of stuff to the point that it's super complicated. And so one of the things we've been trying to do is trying to find ways that we can improve the people's experience without like just putting another button in the UI and asking them to click it. And developer mode is one of those where it's like, we just sort of assume if you're on localhost, there's a pretty good chance that you're developing. And so you might want this developer mode with the full URL and you can turn it on, you can turn it off by your side, you know, with your own preferences. But the idea is like, there's no button to enter developer mode. It just sort of happens. Well, and that's what I like. It's automatic. And so then it's like, oh, the URL's there. I actually want, I wanted the URL because that was kind of, I, I like URLs and it, they are diminished in, in, Big Arc, not in Little Arc, interestingly, but uh, uh, but in Daddy Arc, we'll call him Daddy Arc. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Father also, Arc. Father Arc. Uh, <laughs> so Daddy Arc has, uh, but but it shows the whole URL. I think that's awesome. That's exactly what I want. But you also kind of went the extra step and you added kind of icon buttons for. Uh, developer tools. So like you can just go straight to the console, go straight to the elements. Ooh, go those straight. are juicy. I love that. And I just, it was, it, I had a moment where I was just like, why didn't anyone think of this? Because I, of course I now have muscle memory for like command shift, I command J, blah, blah, blah. But like, wow, cool. Like again, like exposing <laughs> right. it to like a whole new generation of developers. It's like, cool. Like here, click that button. And now you can just, that automatically in. takes it into inspect mode and all that. That's tremendous. This is the power of, of user research. We, uh, we put out a survey. So, so famously browser company does not employ any web developers. Um, all of our websites are like written by our designers. Uh, and so we have, we don't really have, really have a lot of people on the team who are actually developing websites. And so when we realized so many web developers were using Arc, we were like, we got to find out what they want. And we did like, you know, middle school level user research where we made a Google survey and we put it on Twitter and we asked people to figure it out, to fill it out. And it was wonderful because everyone said the same thing. They were like, let me see the full URL, please, when I am developing a website. And so we said, okay great, we can do that. Uh, And they were like, give me quick access to the inspector. And so we did that. And they said, give me a better responsive preview for different sizes, uh, different screen sizes at the same time. And we said, maybe we can do that at some point in the future. Uh, And uh, yeah. Yeah, there's some browsers that do that already. And you're, I think you're aiming a little higher than a responsive web design browser. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, It interestingly solves a problem like I have, where it's like, I've been like, clicking around a website and I still, the bug's still happening. And I'm like, why? I just fixed it. Oh, it's because I'm on production, not localhost. Mm. And like, so it's kind of, and I've done tricks in the past where I like change the background color of the website if I'm on localhost. And this kind of just does it for you. It's kind uh, of- you've almost convinced me otherwise now because I, <clears throat> I, my criticism on day one of the developer mode is like, I don't need giant red dashes to tell me about <laughs> developer mode. Like, Fair. chill, you know? Like, I don't <laughs> but, not, but, but in that a way, fair. it's telling you that's dev and the other one's prod. For a long time, I used to change the favicon, but I've gotten lazy and don't have that in place for my sites at the moment. And 
Uh, so that maybe the red dashes yeah. is the way to go. I don't That's know. the point of the caution tape. We thought it looked cool. And we also thought, you know, people, people are telling us, and I've done this in the past too. I've, I've made websites. I've occasionally, you know, tried to do something on dev and then been like, wait, I just deleted a bunch of stuff in production and it's never good feeling. And it's like, anything no, you do to make yeah. that. That's a that's a that's a tightrope because that is a, a a little thing that can happen sometimes. But I don't you know that's a little mm-hmm. bit of a sledgehammer for a smaller problem, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. It's it's kind of it's kind of rad I, though. I will confess the when I first saw the construction tape, I was like, "Where is the option to turn it off?" But it has <laughs> grown on me. I'm. Yeah, fair enough. And you can't just now, do it. So. It would be interesting if if some people would prefer just, to, can you just turn it on, like all just on all the time? Because I like the URL over at the top. I like the features. I'm a nerd on all websites. Don't just limit me to one website. <laughs> uh, but tough call. You know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not particularly opinionated there. We may at some point in the future introduce a preference where you can have the URL always visible if you, if that's what you're into. Um, I don't think developer mode will be on by every site because you really don't want the caution tape on every page. Uh, you probably don't want the inspect element button on every page. Um, but maybe the URL but maybe, bar thing. Maybe we will. Eh, URL bar extension. Don't count my vote either fun. way. I think you're doing just fine with your Google Form research or whatever. So if you write code at, <laughs> at Arc, what, what do you write? Swift or whatever? Uh, I don't know. We write Swift. We, we have done all... So most Chromium browsers, the way they work is they write patches on top of... Chromium, right? Mm. So, so Brave, Edge, all those companies, they will just take the Chromium source code, which is enormous, takes four hours to compile, all this crazy C++, and they will write patches on top of it, which is hard because it's a memory unsafe language. It's complicated. And it's also like when they release a zero-day patch, you have to go in and, you know, merge your changes with the latest Chrome and you have to fix all those merge conflicts and you have to do it in a day because your users are sitting out there without the patch for the zero day. And so we tried a different approach, which was uh, we called ADK. And the idea was to take Chromium and turn it into a little SDK and just embed that in a normal Mac app in the same way that if you've ever written an iOS app or a, a Mac app and you've used a, the WebKit integration, it's just a view that you can put into any app and you don't have to compile the browser engine right mm. that, then you interface. And there's like good the, enough API access to talk to it. Yeah. And so what we did is rather than using WebKit, we decided you know Chromium was the way to go. And so we turned Chromium into a sort of SDK, just like WebKit is. Mm. And of course we can, you know, we can add the APIs that we want to add because we control it. But the, the result is that uh, we're writing Swift all day long. We're writing what is essentially a normal native Mac OS app, which lets us do the kind of things we do a lot faster than we would have normally. Well, that that kind of gets into my thoughts on prototyping. Like I was, because I was like, how how do you prototype in something that takes like four hours to compile? It's the, it's not fun times, <laughs> USA, uh, to mm-hmm. to do that. So, like using something like Swift allows you to a probably see it right in like a xcode or something right is that kind of or not quite that's the idea the xcode live previews uh in my experience are not really worth trying because they don't work that well but but you get a pretty fast compile cycle right uh, you have and to so worry about it. i did notice because because the animations and and you know flyouts and whatever on Arc are very buttery, and so I was like, oh, that's probably using like core animation, like very tied to Apple. But I did read like Windows is in the future for Arc, right? Is that or maybe it's not? Maybe that kind it of is. crap. It is okay. 
So how if you're writing all in Swift, what's how's that jump? How how to you just do hire that? fifty people there? It's easy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean, it was actually a big a big uh, question for a long time because there's there's uh, two ways to write Windows apps, and neither of them are good, uh, is what we heard. I was sort of surprised by this coming from the, the Apple the Apple ecosystem, but the, the sort of sanctioned way that Apple uh, that Microsoft asks you to write an app is using C sharp. Uh, which is their, you know, sort of Java-like interpreted VM language. Uh, it's memory safe and it's productive and it's nice. Uh, unfortunately, the performance is not really what we need. Uh, meanwhile, you can write in C++, which is, you know, kind of a scary language and is leaves a lot of room for security vulnerabilities because it's not memory safe. And we were like, hey, what if we wrote it in uh, Swift? You know, what, funny if that happened. And uh, eventually we sort of realized, like, that's, that feels like the right direction to go in. Just take this approach of writing a, you know, an SDK that wraps Chromium and then having a Swift app and writing the bindings for Windows and WinUI and all those frameworks. And so that's the approach we're taking. We oh, haven't, that's wild. We've made significant progress on it. Uh, we have some, some very janky prototypes, but uh, that's, we'll see if it works. Yeah, there's market very there for sure. You know? And then I'm sure you get like Linux nerds saying like, or doesn't support Linux. Like, is there a story there at all? Or you can say no. <laughs> Not yet. Um, <laughs> probably the same. <laughs> you know, baby steps. Yeah. Baby steps. Uh, don't forget the mobile platforms too. It's like when people are asking us to write iPhone apps and Android apps and all this stuff, and it's like, okay, we don't have that. We have we have 40, uh, 40 people at the company, forty four total, uh, twenty five thirty engineers. We we have our hands full with a lot of the stuff, but. Uh, Linux, I, there is a there's a path forward that's similar to the path on Windows, which is that you you build the open source tool chain, and a lot of the work we're doing to make Swift work not on Mac will help us make it work both on Windows and on Linux. But it's certainly not in the you know the immediate horizon. Mm. I wonder if it does make me think about the like. It came up in our Discord certainly when we were talking about Arc. Is like how how much should I invest in this thing? It's a startup with where there's no incoming money, whatever. I don't, it doesn't bother me in the same way an app that's like taking really important business data or something. I'm not going to use like free QuickBooks. Like that's not a good plan because that's going to, if they go under, then I'm in this weird position where I got to be transporting data. If, if God forbid something happened to Arc, it wouldn't be that, you know, as sad as that would be, I'm not, I wish nothing but the best for you. I can just switch back to Chrome and it just, I won't die, you know, or, or Safari or Firefox or whatever. So it's like, who, who cares? Like, just use it while it's good, you know, but presumably you have a plan to not die. What is said plan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, that's a little bit above my pay grade, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I mean, what I'll say is that, you know, it, it's an area of experimentation and we'll figure it out and we promise not to do any bad experiments, but we, we look to companies like, like Figma and Notion and Slack who have sort of successfully been able to build a business where mm. the core product is free for most people and even for small groups. But, you know, hopefully you love it so much that when you, you go to work, you go to your employer and you're like, I want to use Arc. And I think our whole team should use Arc. And the employer comes back and says, well, we need SOC 2 compliance. And then we say, got it. We can give you SOC 2 compliance if you pay us a lot of money. I mean, that's not, that's not, that's not a, it, I'm a sure. promise for what we're going to do. But uh, I think the, we look to companies like that in their business model and we've seen it work for them. Yeah, fair enough. Well, that's good to know. 
Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, it's, it's still the open web, right? All the, all the websites you write in ARC work everywhere else. All the boosts you write in ARC are just Chrome extensions. You mm-hmm. can, in theory, you can take them out of the folder and put them into Chrome and they'll work just fine. Uh, and most of the stuff that you create is pretty, is pretty, uh, you know, portable over to a, another browser. I believe you could import into ARC from, from ARC to another browser. So we, we certainly don't want to like, you know, be building a castle and holding your data hostage. Yeah, there's a couple of, uh, I just have a couple of odd points and then we're, we're coming up on the, the hour a little bit. One of them is that, that, that kind of muscle memory stuff I wanted to circle back to and that, you know, Dave and I are both like, I need a, I need a window over here and a window over here because I got to look at them both. The command mm-hmm. end muscle memory is pretty strong. Fortunately, there's split view, pretty clever. You can stay in Papa, Father Ark, we're calling it, and stay in Father <laughs> Ark and look at two websites at once. It's still, I'm a month in, I'm still trying to figure out like the fastest flow. As my brain goes, I know what I want on the left and I know what I want on the mm-hmm. right. And it always takes me a minute to like get, get, get there. <laughs> like, what do I do? Is that, do I? Uh, yes, I have a hack. Yeah. Uh, it is called holding down option while you click links. Uh, so on any page you're on, you can hold down option and click the link and it opens in an alternate split view. Uh, now, if you are on a page, you know, say you have two pages oh, that sick. are not that's open an awesome hack. and you want to split both of them, right? I want to split, uh, you know, the browsercompany.com and I want to split uh, you know, CSS tricks, right? So I, I hit command T, type in the browser company, hit enter, open it up. And then I hit command T again, type CSS tricks, hold down option and then hit enter and oh. it will load on the right. That's the fastest way that I know of to do it. I'll do it. Usually, I mean, I'm not a keyboard whiz. I, I just drag and drop. No, I get what you mean. Yeah, that option stuff is that's good stuff. That will help me. And we want to make it work everywhere. And if it doesn't work everywhere, please let us yeah. know. That makes you feel like a research god. You're just like <laughs> ten windows horizontal. That's wonderful. That's a good for, experience for it. Most unfortunately, for it most? Okay. yeah. That's how. That's our modernization plan. You want a fifth split view? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, you can't keep splitting past two, can you? You can? I'm pretty sure you can go to four. Oh, my four, God. I think I got four. My computer is too small for it. I did not know that. Okay. Well, learning stuff every day. So that that's kind of nice and that it's built right into the main menu. You can resize them from in between each other and all that kind of thing. And it kind of solves this idea of we want you to stay in the main complex, but you want to look at more things at once pretty satisfying it's easy to close them and all that even that evolved fairly quickly you know i got so used to the top bar having that little expanded animation and just in the last week or so it's like that's gone it's now kind of like in Mm -hmm. the upper right where you get your extensions and even that i feel like arc's almost trying to teach you to not necessarily use your mouse for it because there's another way to activate extensions and it's all built into Mm -hmm. the ultimate memory or the ultimate muscle memory thing you have which is command t Mm -hmm. because we've used command t 20 billion times on it and arc does this thing which is also in the zeitgeist of development i feel like every freaking web app in the world has an omnibar or or whatever like a, mm-hmm. a command k is popular on the web but but you've stolen it in arc to be command t which in most browsers just kicks off a new tab and then famously in chrome well what do you do in that new tab you search google <laughs> mm-hmm. but in arc you absolutely can search and i feel like a lot of people will continue to do that but it also, like, as you type in something, it might take you back to a history item. It might, might take you to a tab that's already open, and you kind of forgot that it was open. It might activate an extension for you. I assume it does a bunch of other things, too. But that's, I feel like that's the clutch moment of ARC that's that's kind of, like, reexamining 
the experience of using the web. And, it, and if you're rocking this OS thesis, that's probably pretty fundamental to it. Like, I'm taking an action. It might be searching the web, but it might not be. Yeah, it's. I mean, we like to think of it as like taking the power of the command line and you know giving it to people who are maybe not as familiar with it. Uh, and the goal is like you should be able to type anything you want to do into the command bar and just have it perform. Obviously, it's a big ranking challenge. <laughs> yeah, the trick is yeah. that if you want to search, that that's the moment. Once in a while, you're trying to search and it, it decides that you should do something else instead. And it's a little yes. bit like ranking is hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, yeah, right. We'll get it. Yeah, we'll I'm get sure it. that's one you really want to get right because that's a yeah. If you anyway, I'm sure you're well aware. Uh, pretty cool. So that's that command T thing, and also you know the the minim, minimization of that URL bar. I f- feel like that was a there's a clutch key command <laughs> that everybody needs to know. The command Shift C that copies the URL, yes. and I think if you're really missing seeing that URL bar, I feel like there's a decent chance that what you're actually missing is a convenient place to go copy and paste the URL. Yes. And now that you get the keyboard command, you know, I never really realized this, but that <laughs> that really helps. That's my favorite keyboard shortcut in the whole browser. Every time I'm, sometimes I have the misfortune of using Chrome and I try to hit it and it opens up the inspector and I'm just like, how did I live like this? Uh, it also has the added advantage of it strip. It tries to strip out trackers and things like that from certain links. So we try to like, you know, go a little bit above and beyond. Do you like sanitize them? Wow. I was wondering that because I wrote that in my notes somewhere. I learned I learned that it did that. And then I was trying to find documentation on it and I couldn't find it. So if there's a bunch of UTM params, it just rips them off, right? Is that the case? Or? I believe so. Okay. Yes. That uh-huh. is maybe a cardinal reason to use arc that's wonderful i have this little <laughs> we call it we actually do call it super copy so super you have to love the name the super tabs i think it's called the toggle zapper or something i i've literally run a little tiny menu bar app that has one job huh. and it's that any url that happens to hit your clipboard it rips off all the crap at the end of it uh, and i love it and now i may just not need to run it anymore because every time i copy a url it kind of automatically does that it matters for blog posts and crap because, you know, you might have it, uh, it bookmarked as like, oh, I read this link in some newsletter and they put UTM crap on it because they want to know, you know, indicate that the traffic came from this newsletter. But I can't use that same UTM when I'm writing a blog post. It literally muddies the data of what everybody was trying to do. And it's so easy to forget that stuff. Be gone, URL cruft. I love it. <laughs> nice little feature. Be gone. Is there anything like, is there... Places Arc is exploring or going, or or are you? Is is it feel? Are, is there anything you can share right now? Anything I can share in terms of uh, concrete things we're we're doing soon? Probably not. But I can tell you what some of the areas that we're we're interested in exploring. And you know, like I said, we you know we we don't really plan ahead as much as we think about the areas that we're interested in researching, and we research them and we see how they feel. And sometimes it takes a year for something like that to actually, you know, come out in a in, in a version that we're proud of. Uh, so a couple of things we're worth looking at in the new year are uh, we're, we're thinking about mobile. You know, people have been asking us a lot about mobile, and we're thinking about like what does it mean to bring Arc to mobile? You know, what what should a version of Arc on your phone do? Do you even you know like what role should it have in your life? Um, we're thinking a lot about 
multiplayer and this idea that the browser could be this layer because the browser is the layer that lives on top of so many of the apps that you use that it could be an ideal place to introduce things like collaboration you know i talked earlier about how you know when i work on a project i like to make a space and put all the things from all of the different web apps in there and it's like that feels cool but you know i'm working on a project with a bunch of other people and they aren't really represented and uh I can't even share that space with them, right? So we're thinking a lot about like, what is the best way to sort of bring people into the browser at a more meaningful level while also, you know, the browser is so personal that you don't want to you know, make it feel like suddenly it's not your own private space. Um, so those are a couple of the things. And just generally, we're, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're trying to make ARC better. Um, we, the way I always explain ARC to people is it's like, we don't really know what we're doing, except that we're sort of trying to push the browser forward and build the browser that hopefully is like the browser is the same today uh, for the most part as it was in you know, 20, 2008 when, when Chrome came out in terms of UI. And we just don't think that's what people are going to be using in 2040. And so we just sort of want to push the product forward. And so we'll keep pushing on that, uh, whatever it takes. Not whatever it takes. <laughs> within, within reason. It's within reason. Really hard. Yeah, got it. <laughs> we have decided we need to eliminate the human race in order to make the best browser. We're not going to do that. Proceeding by all applicable laws, we will push the browser forward. So, <laughs> paperclip optimizer. <laughs> Thank you uh, so much for coming on the show and uh, talking about Arc. It's really interesting. Uh, for people who aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? Uh, please don't give me money. Uh, <laughs> I am uh, Nate Parrot on Twitter. That's Parrot spelled like the bird, but with two T's. I'm on Mastodon, but I, I haven't I haven't tooted yet, so maybe I'll move over at some point. Um, and uh, if you're interested in Arc, uh, check out arc.net. Um, and yeah, please give us your feedback and give us your thoughts, and and, and you guys too. Um, <laughs> gripes and complaints, please send them our way. Wonderful, wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcatcher of choice. Be sure to start hard favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on um, Twitter, I guess. Ah, Ooh. weird times. Ah, anyway, still not used to it. Anyway, join us in the d- 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 Discord, patreon.com slash shopdocshow. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Oh, shopdocshow.com.